Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. Um, and so no obstacles. Like, the privileged people can't oppress the unprivileged people, so forth. And then, uh, socialism. Um... I don't really understand that, but from basically from what I, if I remember correctly, is everybody gets paid the same, everybody dresses the same, and I don't agree with that. So that's my take on it. Sebastian, how about you? Uh, since you've been part of this movement, what's up? And another thing, how you doing, brother? Yeah, the, the, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions about socialism. Uh, there's that, of course, the the uh, 1984 fictional Ink Sosh movement that led to this uh, dystopian view that we all dress the same. We have no creative output or anything like that. But the uh, fact of the matter is uh, most uh, socialist countries had some of the most uh, uh, largest contributors to uh, film, art, architecture um, on an individual basis. It also gave us the greatest game of all time, Tetris. So... Uh, there's not the the mis misconception that socialism is somehow uh, stifling creativity or innovation is is a largely false actually, one. You know, I actually like say but, like but I just, counter. Right. Well, um, I I feel like the counter argument would be like right now the U.S. is the biggest contributor of entertainment and we're not a socialist country. Do you know how many um how many uh, MCU films come out every year? They're identical to each other. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. Um, there's at least like two or three of them every year since, I don't know, for the past like 10 years. Uh, I don't think that's especially creative or uh, entertaining. And I know that's a subjective opinion, but yeah, oh, go ahead. I think the other thing is, is like people don't realize like socialism and, and like the structure of socialism basically makes it, you know, I, to me, it makes it easier for people to pursue more creative jobs rather than the, the ones that pay all the money. Because let's be real, like a majority of actors and singers and, and, and these, and, and creative, and like people in the creative oh, arts, they're not, making, they're not making a lot of money, right? Like the majority of them, like the top earners right. are certainly making money, but like musicians, like if you're playing local bars and stuff like that, like that's a majority of musicians. They're not making a lot of money. So like, and, and so they're having to work other jobs because of, capitalism and the way capitalism works like we don't have like and i think the other thing like we have to keep in mind is like america isn't a capitalist economy we are a mixed economy right so we have mostly capitalism but like all the things that like basically make prevent us from looking like a third like a third world country in another like in like or like a poverty stricken area in like africa right we don't we our poverty doesn't look like theirs over there because we have systems of welfare like very like systems of welfare that are supposed to you know, take care of people like medicare or medicaid medicare um, the food, uh, food assistance programs and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So right. people aren't starving on the streets, right? So that's all socialist stuff, you know, like that's, yep. that's socialist programs. So like that's good, that's yep. objectively good things that we have, right? The fire so, department and the police department are socialist too. Exactly. So is the military. No, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, can you I, think about it? Uh, 
No, I, I just, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think we live in a mixed economy. I think that's also a misnomer to kind of confuse the, uh, the reality that this is the highest stage, highest form of, of uh, capitalism we have here. Um, the police force, uh, uh, everything, all those, all those social programs are, are uh, inherent to the capitalist system and keep the capitalist system going. Over time, it's needed to like patch itself up with like various little. Uh, you know, uh, welfare programs and stuff like that to basically it's like a, a, a practical form of apologia for the exploitation and the, uh, the wealth disparities that capitalism generates in order to not have people overthrow it. Cause keep in mind the communist movement, uh, was at its peak, um, during world war II in America. Uh, the third largest party was the communist party. And uh, yep. what ended up happening was uh, FDR made these this the you know the 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 New Deal, uh, which is a whole bunch of a whole list of compromises because he had communists at the, the the door of the White House ready for revolution, and had he not done that, we might live in a social society. Can I add something to that? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know. How's it going, everybody? Glad to glad to be on the talk. Thank you so much. And uh, Talk Hogan, hey, thanks for inviting me. And I've uh, been digging the talk. Appreciate it. Um, you fired me up. I wanted to chime in. Glad yeah, man. That's all we want. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not staunch anything, right? I like to think about shit and figure out the best way to do something. What kills me is that we're the newest country around and we're not looking at how other countries do things, right? Like countries that have been around thousands of years right so that that kills me but but we could we could still have capitalism but have it have a company be a co-op right so instead of all the profit going up to the ceo the board of directors it could be spread around and all the employees of said company could be owners right okay that's that that's still capitalism but it's spreading it out right so you don't end up with this you know billionaires in the one percent Okay, so I'm not trying to confuse anything do, at know, all. Like, wait, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I just want to build on what Annamilla said. Because, like, I, I do agree with that because our society is a little backwards. It almost seems like the people who do less are getting paid more. So we have those right. CEOs who are doing not as much as the ground workers. Or, uh-huh. for example, in a university, uh, the the dean or the president of the university gets paid uh, near a million dollars, whereas uh, maybe the staff gets doesn't even get paid a tenth of that much, which is insane yeah. when you think about like the amount of workers, professors, staff they do on a day to day basis. And yeah, when there's budget cuts, the last person to feel it would be the president, and that's that's yep. that's. That's where I feel like our society is going wrong, where people who actually um, are impacted less and do less actually get paid more of the money. Agree. So Great. the earliest stages of, of what a socialist economy would look Appreciate like would literally be to, um, to, to uh, create co-ops. Co-ops would, would replace uh, regular workplaces. So it's, it's, not, it's not like... Uh, a, a function of capitalism uh you have co-ops here and there but like you'll never see like i don't know uh amazon or walmart or target 
uh, embrace the idea of co-ops uh, willingly. Right, because oh, our system isn't set so up you're... to embrace that, right? Right. Intentionally so. I mean, uh, ca capitalism, you know, we could, uh, capitalism is a kind of practical opportunism. It's, it's all built on opportunism. Uh, that's why, like, uh, you know, feudal lords and priests and churches uh, during the earliest stages of capitalism rejected capitalism as, as usury because they saw it as, well, it's not the only reason their power was being siphoned away from them, but um, they condemned it as usury uh, and, you know, looked down upon capitalism because it was, as they would purport, uh, a kind of opportunism. It's literally taking advantage of situations of, of I mean, even the, the earliest, very first, like, wave of of capitalist bourgeois artisans uh, took advantage of the uh, newly unemployed serfs and peasants and uh, started giving them wages instead of land and, and crops. Right. I mean, if you think about it, capitalism is ultimately the money class, the people with capital getting preferential treatment over the working class, the people that actually do the work. So they can yeah. pay us if they guarantee us 40 hours a week, they could pay us way less than we would work for on our own, right? And like with food, you know, it, it just, it, I'm going back to like what you were saying, kings and serfs and this and that, right? Like not that much has changed. We've just kind of changed who wears that hat, you know? The only, so the only thing, so I mean, obviously there's no, there's no uh, perfect society, you know, obviously in a capitalist society, uh, Go back to what you say. Um, you can pay the workers and send them out while you know the upper class get paid way more than that. But uh, even in uh, socialist societies, um, the drawback is who would actually control this economy? I would feel like it would still be the government, and then jobs that are created is would it be what the government defines as jobs? So. You know, would singers, would they not be allowed to work under these government-sponsored jobs, actors, writers, or whatever? So, uh, Well, that's another that's thing. That's a valid concern, concern. yeah. No, Sebastian, is that, is that kind of also like, a, like, I think people, when people hear socialism or communism, they automatically assume authoritarianism, right? They think that yes. the government is like monolithic and that it controls everything. But I feel like the idea of government is also different under socialism than it is under what we can, you know, what capitalism is. In. So I, here's what I have to say to that. Yes, that's correct. And, and here's what I have to say to that is two things. Uh, personally, I believe that authoritarianism as it is uh, kind of like uh, championed by uh, liberals and, um, you know, uh, libertarians, um, their definition of authoritarianism is fictional. It doesn't exist. It's never existed. And they would point to something like the U.S., right, as being a, a, a liberal society, right? Then how come, if authoritarianism, what's the defining characteristic of authoritarianism? It's probably something like the amount of prisons and prisoners we have in a society, right? <laughs> like, that would be one characteristic, probably the, the most important characteristic of an authoritarian society. The United States has the largest prison population in the world per capita, more than China. And China is not a country I, I embrace as socialist. Right. 
Exactly. I, I, I think. Point. Yeah. I think China is more yeah. indicative of like a kind of weird fusion of capitalism and fascism vis-a-vis uh, a centralized uh, economy. Right. It's gone from from uh, from communism to, to almost into fascism. Right. One thing I want to mention about our about our prison population, a lot of people don't realize this, but prisoners are actually slave labor workers um, making license plates, making Levi's, making Old Spice deodorant, making Nike tennis shoes. Right. And they get paid way less than minimum wage. I'm not sure how this is allowed because they live in the United States, why wouldn't they get the minimum wage for the United States? So it's slave labor that's happening right now. And in California, where I'm at, we've been hit by all these wildfires, right? I was appalled to learn that 10% of the firefighters were prisoners making $2 a day. Now, you tell me this, if you're a nonviolent prisoner in, you know, in jail for a nonviolent drug offense, Aren't you going to volunteer to go fight a fire, you know, instead of trying, maybe possibly getting butt raped by Bubba in the shower? Hell yeah. Where's the, where do I sign up? Right. So this is crazy. I feel, so, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I feel that that's also interpretive. Like you, you make it sound like you, you either have the option of getting raped or putting on a fire when in reality, that was extreme. Depending right. on what state, yeah. Depending on what state you're in. Neither could happen to you, or both could happen to you. But it, it, correct, it, it's really rough to draw this one conclusion out of. Yeah, I'm. One I'm sorry. Let Let me rephrase that. That was over the top. Let me rephrase that. I get really emotional because I've I've been evacuated four times. Once it was four blocks. The fire was four blocks away. I thought everything I owned was gone. So I get I get really emotional. And you're right. That was that was out of control. Way over the top. I apologize. Let me reel that back in. Well, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, and the, the sad thing to me is these firefighters, after they went and did this, there's not even a path to a career for them. Like, are you kidding? You don't at least get get into the fire academy? Come on. Right? So I say. Exactly. I say you got to pay them more than minimum wage and there has to be a path to, to work, a path to a career because they stepped up in a time of need. Right. Yeah. No. And you know what? I think, uh, you know, if we're trying to tear people into like tear people from prison and finding good jobs, then we have to take away that agenda that jobs are just painful. We have to give them a a livable wage. That way, when they get out, not only can they rehabilitate themselves, but they actually look forward to working. Thank you. I think we need to change the vocabulary. Minimum wage? No, it has to be a livable wage. Yeah, because um, well, yeah, no, that's exactly correct. I, I, I think uh, the minimum wage in this country is just another form of robbery. Yeah, and it's just a horrible it's way to think about it. Out. What's the least I could pay this person? Right? It's just a horrible I, way to frame that whole thing. You know, I have to say this has been the most agreeable agreeable group of people I've talked to on stereo about this topic. There aren't many socialists on here. I'll tell you that much. There's not many progressives and it's becoming less and less as I've noticed, like scrolling through the the chats. It's like fewer and fewer people. It's like more like the the capitalist apologists and the the diehards and the, the if you're not a capitalist, you're a communist. 
group, you know, like, I'm just like, oh, God, like, just, I can't, it's hard to have conversations like this with people who don't want to talk about it. <laughs> they, they, they're so conditioned yeah, I know. to believe in a certain yeah. thing, like, that we've been conditioned to believe that capitalism is the way and is the only way, it is the, it's the way of freedom, but it's not freedom. Like, what's, what is freedom in capitalism? Like, the freedom to choose between working yourself to death and dying of starvation. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot of freedom right there, right? I had you, myself you know, brainwashed to think that if I didn't own a house by the time I was 42 in our society, that I was going to kill myself because I'd yes. be a loser according to society, well, right? So, I mean, yeah, I know it's funny you say that. I'm in my mid-30s right now. I live in a city where everybody's pretty much in their mid-20s. But it's so, much, it's so funny how you see the mindsets, like, you have to have a house at this age. You have to get married at this age. You have to be right. in a great career. And in reality, life rarely works that way. And if you're not in that path, you should not feel bad for yourself. And unfortunately, too many people, that's what I see with too many people in their mid-20s feeling bad for themselves because of you know their their path is not perfectly in line with society. That's driven by consumerism, and which is like also an inherent, like, inherent trait of capitalism. You know what I mean? Like... Like yep. you have to, like if in order for capitalism to survive, we need to buy things. So what do they do? They they condition you and they incentivize you. They say, well, you know, you got to have this house. You know, you got to have this brand new car. You know, if you want to be you gotta, successful, you, know. you want to look successful. You know, you got to have this stuff. But like that's really and just then, hey. a lot of like waste. And like you look at like the fact that we have we produce what ten times more food than there are like hungry people in this country, and then we have like three times more housing than there are homeless. What the fuck? No, like, that's that's. That's not that yeah, that's clearly crazy. a broken that's clearly a broken system is what it is. You know? Oh, and then let me let me also let me also make a point uh, and expand on my comment about opportunism. So that the, the housing crisis is, is a really really good a uh, good uh, example of this. You have wow. people who own own capital, right, or or have the money to to do these kind of things, but they create these property management companies that buy up the surplus of houses and sit on them either, either as rental properties or literally just properties set to rot away uh, with minimal uh, maintenance. Yeah, yeah. And and they do it to drive the prices of houses upwards so that their investments could be worth more in the long term. Then they have the money to sit on it at, at almost what feels like a loss for, for most people. But like they'll sit on it until the, the, the housing market goes back up because they have nothing to lose. They're not losing any money by, by doing this. They have plenty of money to keep going. So then you have these, uh, uh, and, and of course they get subsidies and they get, um, they could claim, the, the, the company could claim bankrupt, great bankruptcy, basically not affecting the individual's wealth in any capacity uh, other than, you know, their income. Um, but their, their wealth as it, as it stands as an individual because they have a company representing their interests. It's the company who pays for it, right? And, if there's no money in the company, it doesn't matter anyway. But um, they're sitting on it. They're sitting on all these houses. The 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 I'm, I live in Orlando, so like literally, I'm watching, and I, I'm very very grateful to own my own house. It's not in the best condition, but right. it works. But um, they sit on this, and then the prices go up immensely. And then now that people, uh, uh because of the pandemic, um, people are like, uh, uh the, the 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 moratoriums are ending, um. These these people are going to get evicted, and the the, the 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 demand for housing is going to go up higher. But they're going to benefit while other people remain homeless. And in fact, more people it generates homelessness. 
I think that's you know, that, like, that's that, isn't that an example of artificial like, scarcity, right? Like that's like saying yeah. that we don't have enough of something, even though we do. It's very obvious that we do when you look at the numbers. We do, but you know, in order again, right? Scarcity create in, in capitalism creates you know d- creates demand, and when demand is up, then then we can then people can charge more. So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a like like I said, like there's so many flaws with and, and what this actually started that this this pod this this uh. This whole talk was actually originally called the Anti-Capitalist Podcast. I subscribed to it, yes. I ended up changing it because, like, I, you know, nobody was here, and then my one, this one guy that I had run into came up, and I was like, okay, I probably should have, and that, and I shouldn't have changed it, but, like, it sounds like, um, if this is something you guys would like to continue to talk about, I would, listen, I, I love talking about this kind of shit. So, like, uh, I, I, I think it's the only hope for, it's the only hope for our survival is it. Well, you know what's funny yes. is like with yes. you know, I feel like this is branching into many of the issues that U.S. is having right now. Not only in the terms of making money, not only in the housing crisis, like you mentioned, but also in the education crisis in uh, um, the housing, the education, the uh, the healthcare crisis. Like we're and we're running energy, energy. Yeah, we're running into a lot of devastating. Um, uh, branches of the same thing, and it's uh, I feel like all of this is a recipe for collapse. Oh, yeah, the, our infrastructure is crumbling on top of all the stuff that you mentioned because capitalism is sucking us dry like a spider instead of like reinvesting in the country. We're not taxing these billionaires. Well, how did they become a billionaire? They're using our airports, our buses, our you know, yeah. bus, whatever, they're using our infrastructure. They didn't, you know. They didn't create their own roadways and bridges, right? So they're not paying for the maintenance of them. What's going to happen? Oh. What do you guys think about the fact that Biden wants to uh, tax these billionaires? Hell yeah. Uh, I'm all for a flat tax. Should have been done uh, decades ago. (laughs) Decades. Like, it's it's, it's, at this point, taxes don't even pay taxes. Yeah, at this point, um, um, I'm I'm an advocate for a pro- progressive tax, mind you. Uh, but like our okay. our progressive tax system is broken because we don't make yeah. anyone pay taxes unless you're poor. Um, it's supposed to work the yeah. other way around. We're supposed right. to pay less; they're supposed to pay more based on the amount of income they have, which makes perfect sense because when you're making a couple million or billion dollars a year, uh, you should uh, miss less of that. <laughs> like you yeah, have exactly. plenty right. of money, but because we have been so relaxed on them the past couple of decades. Uh, they've been able to build up and generate wealth at an ungodly rate and an ungodly amount of money. There is a website I refer to often where you could visually see how much money that these people have versus the rest of the country. And it's disturbing. It's insane. So what you're saying is, um, I don't think this is capitalism. I think this is the exploitation of capitalism. This is taking... that in, that what is, I've heard it referred to is late stage cap. What I've heard it referred to is late stage or end stage capitalism, like the end of the game, when uh-huh. you know, when people are just you know, fa- you know, uh, the systems are screwing the market and cashing out and just you know they're going for broke at this point. And, and these you got to mind. So a lot of people that aren't you know as tuned in as we are think our government cares about us. All these people, they're they're globalists, 
if they tank this country, they'll just go somewhere else. They probably already own a house there. You know? Isn't that sad? When our own destruction is coming from the inside. Yeah. That's greed, man. That's greed. Can I um can I talk on the housing thing for a little bit? Yeah, um, I just I mean, it's of, not my show, but yeah. I did kind of want to like oh, point yeah, out though much. that like the fact that like like what you're saying is like that that this isn't like capitalism but the exploitation of capitalism. The problem is is capitalism rewards these people. Right? The ca- right. capitalism has allowed these right. people to ascend to the status that they are where they don't they don't follow the rules that the rest of us do. They're not even playing in the mm-hmm. same they're not even playing in the same stadium. Right? They're they're right. on a different planet. Right? I mean literally mm-hmm. like we have we have people traveling to different planets. Like Elon literally. Musk, right? Like he's he's planning to colonize Mars and import capitalism there or maybe create or bring back feudalism it sounds like more. I don't know. We'll right. see. But uh, sorry, yeah, yeah go and ahead. he went on a joyride. And he went on a joyride that could have ended world starvation at least for a year. Um, so I just wanted to brief. I, it's just it, it blows my mind. The level of ego just blows my mind. I mean, inhabiting a planet, that, one thing, but to go for a joyride. Ah. I, you know, people say, well, that's his money. He should do what he wants. But at the same time, that money comes from a good portion of the U.S.'s wealth, a good portion from his customers. And yeah. You know, like he doesn't really own that money because he didn't create that money. You know, it's it's not like when you go hunting and you get all the fishes from the pond. Well, you know, you work for it, you hunt it. But no, I mean, honestly, that money came from people where he should probably use that money to invest back into. I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't I don't I'm I have mixed feelings like I don't feel like I could tell anybody what they have to do with their money. But I think you can tell a lot about a person by how they spend their money. You know, Um, so just real quick on the housing thing, like I was in the real estate market. I was in real estate for a couple of few years um, and this happened here in in this. So so we had a massive fire. We lost five thousand houses. And what's called real estate investment entities came in. They're called REITs. And this is an investment-owned company that buys up real estate and does what uh, I believe it was Sebastian was saying, where sometimes they'll hold it. But in this case, what they did is they bought everybody's lot where their house burned down, whole neighborhoods. And then they built back luxury houses where it was just a blue-collar working-class neighborhood before. So instantly, bam, the houses cost 200 grand more. Every year since that fire, house values have gone up $100,000 a year. It's insane. Wow, that is, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. 300 grand since 2018. That's a lot of money. Right. And this is what I was saying earlier. The average is $825,000. That's unattainable. That's almost. That's eight hundred eighty thousand dollar down payment. Who's got that? The sad thing right. is, I'm also, I'm actually pretty upset that more people haven't caught on to this. Here's the thing: is this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier? It it's not. It's it's the misery. It's people's misery and and financial and practical situations in 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 the worst possible uh, events that these people are profiting from. Like it's in fact. Landlords, landowners who have surplus land that they don't use are among the worst kinds of exploiters in a, uh, uh, I guess, 
a, a, like I want to say that there's lesser lesser degrees of separation between them and workers. These people are like yeah. parasitic in a way that you can see mm-hmm. visually. It is not a systemic yeah, thing. Yeah. It's it's an immediate thing. Palatable, yeah. Um, and the governments well, guys, that are holding on to do want to pop this bubble? Governments that are holding on to property is saying, you know? Sorry. And then when I have to take off, it was fun chatting with you guys. Um, I would definitely Appreciate be down that. doing this again. Awesome. That's been great, well, John. Yeah. I just followed you yeah, on Instagram, thank brother, you. so uh, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll just, we'll just uh, I'll, I'll DM you. I'll slide into your DM. All right, definitely. Down. Again, thank you for having me, guys. Have a good night. You too, brother. Peace. So uh, before we move on, let's, let's pop this bubble here. And uh, we'll we'll move on then. Pop some bubbly. Hi guys. <laughs> oh, it's Lotus. Hey, Lotus. How's it going? Lotus bomb. That was beautiful. Thank you. Lotus is a oh, comrade. Shit. I can now just I can now read what I, I'm now just seeing Lotus in the name. I was like, what what is this? I was like, what what language is this? And then I just looked at it. I know, it. right? And now it makes sense. It took me a while too. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was in the same boat. So, yeah. Um, one other thing. One other thing about housing is how they're taking public land, like in this case, well, there's a hospital that was owned by on on public land, and then in San Francisco, old army bases, right? All of uh, the Fort Mason and Chrissy, you know, all these million dollar properties right and they had military forts and everything would have been perfect for bunkers for housing for homeless but no they made market rate housing they took public land privatized it and made market rate housing wow privatization so this is a phenomenon in in uh in in capitalism it's it's unique to capitalism obviously because it it came about here and it's related to capitalism it's called neoliberalism it's when you think that uh private businesses uh their success equals the success of everybody else and that they should be able to manage uh what used to be considered uh public property or or public services and you replace those public services with private services or for for-profit companies and it often uh, more more time i mean i literally don't know a time where it's been successful but like it's very often uh leads to absolute disasters um and there's a really really good uh uh more uh, on the nose example of that and that's the flint water crisis the flint water crisis had like the the, the government of flint had a uh a, a rule that if like someone failed some some public sector that a a private sector entity would have to come in and manage that crisis. So far, there's been zero solutions for the Flint water crisis. There's still an immense amount of lead in their water, uh, mm-hmm. but someone's making a paycheck. Someone in the private sector is making a paycheck who was an unelected, uh, appointed by default, like not even like through process mm-hmm. of of like interviewing. It's literally You're hey, right. this private entity gets to run this now. And that is, uh, it's it's not unique to the U.S. It started in Chile after uh, the overthrow of the democratic government in Chile and the uh, 60-year fascist dictatorship by uh, Pinochet. Um, the by U.S. The decided CIA, to implement... Yes, by the CIA, correct. And uh, the U.S. decided to implement uh, 
supporting Pinochet um, implement like these neoliberal reforms. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Neoliberal reforms. I used the right word. Um, and again, it led to the only thing that didn't get privatized, I think, was the mines. Uh, and I, I, I could be wrong about that. But like that was like the heart, the shining star of Chile was the uh, the like unionized uh, nationalized mines. I think, like, just to get into the mindset of like what these these like capitalist people think. Like, did you ever did you ever, you ever read that like uh, I think it was like an article that came out that the I think the the CEO or somebody of Nestle uh, said something about yep. like he doesn't believe that water is a is a is a right like clean water is a human right. He wants think... to own all water. He wants Do Nestle you know... to own all water. Do you know why he said that, though? Do you know what they're going through right now, what they're doing? No. I'm not 100% sure. They own a lot of the only drinkable water in uh, various African countries. Uh, oh, to the point where mothers cannot feed their children milk from their breasts without paying Nestle. Wow. Yes, because they cannot access the water that they have been using for centuries. So now you have this mass starvation in Africa, which is funny because we talk about like we, we almost make fun of Africa for having uh, problems with starvation and famine and, and lack of water, all this other stuff in uh, these ongoing wars. It, a lot of people in the Western world love to like make jokes about that as if Africa is some kind of uh, untamable Wild West. Right. But the truth is, because they're so resource rich. They technically should be, if we followed the rules that we all pretend to follow, uh, uh, they would be the richest country on earth. I mean, I'm sorry, the richest continent on earth. Um, yeah. With various, like, very, very rich countries within it. Um, oh, yeah. But because we don't do that, we have these, like, junta-style uh, uh, coup d'etats. We have, uh, I, mean, I mean, we all do it for corporate interests. We do it so that Nestle can own that water. We destroy their government. We, we uh, uh, commit them to a perpetual state of instability so that we can have that water at the cheapest possible price with nearly slave labor, if not often actual slave labor. Like we have an addiction to even, slavery. <laughs> yeah, I think it's even more insidious than that. I think the powers that be don't want people there. So we're allowing genocide. We're allowing famine on huge per, uh, proportions, on huge scales. Right. Because they just don't they look at those people as just in the way of those resources. And that's how disgusting capitalism can be, because it's those people's resources. Oh, my God. Right. It's it's ter- so I wanted to read the quote because I, I think I may have misspoken just a bit. He didn't say it wasn't a right. He said it's an ex- like the idea that water is a, a human right is extreme. So the, the, the quote is water is, of course, the most important raw material we have today in the world. It's a question of whether we should privatize the normal water supply for the population. And there are two different op- opinions on the matter. The one opinion, which I think is extreme, is represented by the NGOs who bang on who bang on about declaring water a public right. That means as a human being, you should have a right to water. That's an extreme solution. That's that's still fucking ridiculous. Like, I How is that extreme when you die within three to seven days without water? I mean, that's that's just the mindset of of capitalists. I mean, and I don't. 
Right. That's where capitalism has rotted that person's brain out to the point where profit above everything else. Yeah. And I like, think wow. Thing, I, I guess we can kind of like, so I want to connect with you guys offline here because I, I think this could be a really fun thing because I, like I said, I don't find many people to talk about this with and especially people who are like on the nice side about this stuff and aren't just like, well, you're a fucking communist because I've had a lot of those. Um, I'd like this to become a thing. I think we could probably lay out some, like, we could look at, we, we could take a bunch of different things and talk about them in a more, uh, like, a, a formatted thing, if that's something you guys would be interested in. Anytime, yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as this after five, <laughs> I typically am free to uh, discuss anything like this. And uh, just to clarify, I am literally a communist. I, I'm uh, in a uh, organization called the American Party of Labor. Before that, I was a long-term member of the Communist Party USA. Um, so yes, yeah, I, I, I'm awesome. experienced and learned, and I could talk about this all day. <laughs> like it's almost to a fault. So, and another thing, what, yeah. are, what are, where are you? Where are you? What like what are your? I don't want to say like political alliances, but like what what do you lean more towards? Are you socialist? I voted libertarian. Um, I'm somewhere between a social democrat and an anarchist. Um, okay. I would say, um, I just recently registered with the people's party. Um, you know, I, up until, you know, I voted Democrat, um, up until Obama and, and even for Obama's first election. And then I just didn't vote. I was going to vote for Bernie and I actually wrote his name in a couple times. <laughs> um, but I would not refuse to. I refuse to do the lesser of two evils when I watched an election get stolen right in front of me, you know. Friggin' man, Bernie Sanders, let me tell you something. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really trust a whole lot of politicians in Washington, but, like, you look at that guy, and he's been on the right side of history for a lot of things. And he's been talking yeah, about a lot 30 of years. things that, that make a lot of sense, like the corruption in, in government. Like, he's been literally pointing this out to everybody. Like, plain sight. For and the 30 years. Say, oh, yeah, and the people that say, oh, well, Trump's the maverick. No, fucking Bernie Sanders is the goddamn maverick. Like, look he at showed him how to do it. Right. He's the one talking about how, well, you know, we have corporate interests that are running the country, which they are. Mm -hmm. Well, documented. Yep. You go to opensecrets.org and you can see all of it. You can see all the corporations mm -hmm. that are fucking running the country that, that, are, that are literally able to bribe our politicians thanks to Citizens United. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy to me and like the fact that yeah i mean he he got screwed and i'm not talking about just once he got screwed twice and, and it's unfortunate and i don't know if it's like well, you know i don't want to like say it got stolen from him but at the same time it definitely they definitely stacked the deck pretty hard against him so right and that was his like i heard that. like i heard uh, that obama personally called buddha giggity 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 goo and uh and i think amy klobuchar two people i know buddha gig was one and personally pressured them to drop out at the same time to make Biden look better in the polls. Like, wow, it's that yes, concerted. That was know? a game of mathematics. They knew exactly what they were doing at that point. And uh, right. look, here's here's the thing is Bernie Sanders had less votes than he did back in 2016. And that part partially is because he, he uh, conceded earlier, but um and his message, his messaging, his style of messaging got kind of stale, to be fair. But, yeah. and I'm, I'm a big fan of Bernie. I've been a big fan of Bernie since before he ran for president. Uh, he was the only, he, he used to be the only 
Google News Alert on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yep, I had a Bernie yeah, shirt and I threw it away. My, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, my my Chromebook for this. But um, regardless, uh, he he used to be the only Google uh, news alert on my phone uh, up until he announced his bid for presidency, and I was like, yes. And this is someone who's like a revolutionary communist, like me. You know, not him. Like he, what he advocates for is like a Nordic style of capitalism. And at this point, I will literally take that with no fuss. That's how bad things have gotten here, I think. And I think we're all starting to see the cracks in the facade. Like it's not, it's not the, it's not exactly what what everybody was selling us when we were kids. And I think that's the scary thing about capitalism is it's like it's so ingrained and entrenched. Um, We've been conditioned from a young age. Like to, uh-huh. to believe in it and to believe that it's infallible and it can't, you know, like and anything that isn't capitalism is inherently evil. And that's like a that's a scary concept to me. Because like right. you know, and we were brainwashed. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, please. I was just gonna say we were brainwashed to believe that the leave it to beaver nineteen fifties version with the white picket fence, you know, when when uh the wife could stay at home. A one-income family, you could buy a house. There was a brand new car in the garage. The kids were wearing new, brand new clothes, right? Yep. Life was the good. American, the one American job, dream, right? The quote-unquote one American job. Dream. You know what the, you know what that was. You know what led to that, and you and, and this kills me because Trump make America great again. Well, you know what made America great for that one blip when it was was the tax rate, the the um, progressive tax rate, Sebastian of. Once you made over 200 grand a year, your tax rate went to 92%. Right? But after 200 grand, now this is when $2,000 bought you a brand new Camaro or whatever, brand new car. Two grand, right? A house was 12 grand. So if you were making 200 grand a year, that's probably the equivalent of 200 million now. You were rich, right? It's money you can't ever spend. So after that, yeah, tax the hell out of them, right? And like you now, social I think, programs to compensate in other areas too, which, which, which we just sure. don't have anymore. Sure, sure. So I, I, I'm full firm believer in after 10 million a year current money. Who, who needs more than 10 million a year? Come on. At that point, you're just like making it rain on strippers. Like fuck you. Um, after 10 million a year, I say 70 percent. Bam. Yeah, and like the idea that people like the the idea that like that they sell that oh well all these people are going to leave the country well then fucking let them right if that's if that's the case but the the fact of the matter is they won't and these companies won't either they tax the companies because the fact of the matter like the U S is one of the largest consumer markets in the world so it benefits well, companies and here that, to stay here right you're totally right and guess what if if they you know if they want to play that game fine but the U S military is not going to protect you or your company anymore how's that going to work for you. Yep. Right. This is now this is the card that we don't play. And it's being played on us, really, because we 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 go to war somewhere. We uh, we iron it out for to be good for business for foreign oil companies. They make a killing. We don't even get a discount on gas. And meanwhile, we spent hundreds of millions, if not tens of billions to make that happen in taxpayer money. So we're just bent over the whole way. You know, when really we should be using that power to leverage businesses into better terms and better being better humans. 
Right. But then, but again, like we've been like, again, it comes down to the conditioning again too, because you mm-hmm. know, they look at it as like, well, we don't want to take from these people who've worked so hard to get where they are. It's like, they didn't get, they didn't get to where they are through hard work on their own of their Hell own no. merit. Right. And that's the thing like people don't understand is like, we, we're the ones being exploited. Like the working class is the ones being exploited. It's and and people yeah. that demonize Marx like really probably have never read Marx, right? I think that that's what right. I'm to say. I think when you read Marx, like Marx isn't like talking about authoritarianism or anything like that. He's talking literally it's his theory about what he saw when you know the uh, profit took incentive over the people, and they took and you know when the, when when things started you know when things started going bad. Because the wealth wasn't being distributed throughout, you know, and people were going more, you know, going broke. People, up, you know, they, they, they rose up, and it was the communist, you know, it was the, there was the formation of the, the Bolsheviks and the Communist Party, right? Because everything was going bad. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. sorry I'm having a, having a bit of an issue here. Can you guys continue this? Sorry, I have to, I just, I'm sorry, I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How about it? And Walmart's like, a per- Walmart's like a perfect modern day example uh, of this. Of, of capitalism gone awry and yet people and i still don't right because walmart you know none of those people ever worked to register in their life they're some of the richest people in the world the all of the family members are billionaires yet they don't even pay walmart employees a living wage so the majority of walmart employees are on public assistance like what you're kidding me so this seems Insanity. to be like a, a- a mostly eventing session. We're not going to focus on what any one particular thing, and that's fine. I love doing that because it gets a lot off my chest. But um, talking, speaking on that, speaking on like people on on on, on government assistance and stuff like that, we have this this weird uh, uh, perception of government assistance in in so far as being like uh, uh, we are we are paying for people to not advance, or pe- we're paying for people to uh, work as little as possible, right? The thing is, mm-hmm. the reality of government assistance is literally we're paying Walmart the... right. I mean, it, it, in a roundabout way. Exactly. We're essentially, exactly. We're essentially paying Walmart exactly. to not pay their employees a livable wage. We are saying, we're paying, hey, we're you can pay them $7 Walmart, an hour and we'll take care of everything else. Yeah. And we'll pay you 2 bucks an hour for each employee. Or whatever it is, right? Yeah. That whatever whatever the difference is that we're covering in social uh, costs, because they're 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 getting uh, probably food stamps, they're getting um, you know uh, medical at least here. So you got a discount healthcare program where the government's picking up. Then the government, meaning you and me, your taxpayers are picking up. So, but all that's going into the to the owners of Walmart's pockets. That's pennies compared to what you would be if you just helped the person, right? So exactly, um, talk like corporate welfare is huge, and these no bid contracts that military military contractors get, and then that leads us to talking about the military budget, like the amount of money <laughs> that it would cost to give a UBI to give everybody everybody food stamps, so that maybe people can maybe people that aren't hungry. They, well, they'll just eat better. Now you can go buy yeah. some veggies, you know? Yeah, um, it's funny It's funny that we're not allowed to uh, uh, unionize or have collective bargaining agreements, but it's totally okay for private companies to bargain with the uh, military uh, brass <laughs> on right. how much they, they should get paid 
to uh to right. instead of uh, U.S. soldiers uh, send their uh, former U.S. soldiers uh send them off to uh, go kill brown people in other countries. So they get all the uh, bargaining agreements, and we get none. Um, we de- demonize collective bargaining. We demonize unions. Uh, to, I mean, obviously, to a fault, it's destroying capitalism. It, that's the funny thing about all of this is the kind of like compromise policies we advocate for actually strengthen capitalism and the uh, longevity of the system, essentially. Right. But right. obviously, I don't want to stop there. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to stop there. But like those are just common sense solutions for someone who's interested in maintaining capitalism. And I think people like Warren Buffett, the, the, the more smarter capitalists, have acknowledged that to some degree. You know, people are talking about UBI. People are talking about um, uh, maybe allowing some democracy in the workplace, but, but definitely not enough to, to make this a sustainable system for a longer period of time. And this is why we have this movement for fascism. Um, you know, not to get into the entire history of fascism, but like what the 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 kind of like red flags that we see uh, uh, right before a fascist um, uh, uh, kind of I'm not going to say coup, but a fascist takeover of of government um, and society. Um, right before that, there's always economic crisis, and we are really dangerously close to teetering on uh, economic crisis, and. We have all, I mean, all the pieces are set. We have uh, uh, popular, like, media uh, broadcasting, like, traditionally fascist ideas, and not calling it fascist, of course, but, and we have actual, like, politicians, elected officials, um, and some appointed, basically choosing to not work with the federal government. And obviously, those are kind of telltale signs of, a, a at least an attempted fascist takeover. So mm-hmm. I don't know how the next elections are going to go, but I, I think even before the elections, we're going to see some rough times um, when it comes to people. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it. We're seeing a, a re-examination of Roe v. Wade, which is disgusting because we're essentially talking about women's freedom, their liberty from patriarchy, not, not just about whether or not it's a moral or ethical to... Uh, discharge uh, tissue from your womb, but we're literally talking about their ability to be independent people. We're talking, we're looking at, I mean, we literally had a, a, a court case, a, a major court case where someone just like killed leftists on the street and got away with it. Like, that's not something the left typically does. They don't go around killing people typically. But, uh, you know, all throughout history, fascists have essentially no problem. Now, granted, there is that one anarchist who shot that U.S. president a very long time ago, but uh, from what I understand, he was not entirely uh, accepted into the anarchist left. But um, regardless, I mean, political violence does come from both sides. Obviously, I'm not I'm not denying that. But like, we have it to where the state is endorsing political violence uh, and and co-signing on it. Uh, we had the one guy who got into that uh, shootout with uh, some Proud Boys, and they summarily executed him in front of his house. They, he he was denied due process, which is his legal right, his civil his civil right in this country. They literally took it away from him by summarily executing him, with no threat of violence from him at all. Yeah, that's an epidemic. Apparently, sorry, sorry about that, guys. I, uh, no, you're good. A family thing. I got on my soapbox. 
Oh, I'm glad you guys did. Um, so I know we got a couple messages here. I don't want to. I don't know from Lotus and, and Jeru. So I didn't know if you guys wanted to uh, hit these real quick. Oh, I figured it's on, it's on you to do that. So go ahead. Oh, sorry. I should have just passed this down. Sorry. Here, hold on. Based. <laughs> it's it's funny because everyone's like, I can't read katakana. I'm like, baby, you don't have to read katakana. Don't look at it literally as if you're trying to understand the words. Just look at the way it's written. It looks like Lotus. What is up, guys? Sebastian, I messaged you on uh, Fizzlebook. And, um, yeah, fuck capitalism. It's a trap. Tis. You messaged Tis. me on Fizzle. Oh, Facebook, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm looking. I'm reading our message now. Yeah. I'll, I'll catch up with you on that after we're done. I feel like I'm, I'm more of a narcissist. So, uh, yeah, narcissist socialist. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that. Have you guys ever heard of this guy, Nick Hanauer? No, is that a... Is that someone he's here like a, on, on stereo or is that like a no, political pundit? No, he's like a he's like a billionaire guy. And he did this. I think it was a TED talk called um, Hello, Fellow Plutocrats. Beware the pitchforks are coming. And his whole thing is unless we start paying more taxes, paying our fair share, it's not going to end well. It's going to be like the French Revolution and then we're going to lose everything. So let's give a little bit right now before we lose everything. You know what? That's exactly right. And that, that was a fear that uh, I forgot his name, but some guy on like, uh, I think CNN or Fox uh, was going on about like uh, Cuban style uh, uh, Central Park executions, which mm -hmm. made me laugh because that is my ideal outcome. I am like, yes, let's let's have like public mobs uh, uh, uh. Uh, dismantling. <laughs> uh, you know what I could envision, dude? I could envision Dick Cheney in a in a stockade, and then people selling rocks for five bucks. Well, Dick Dick Cheney's basically a Gundam now, so uh, I don't know if that that'll be that's advised. Like he's he's mo more machine than he is man. Yeah, right. So that's funny because like that, that, what was that guy's Nick uh. Nick Hanneman? You said Nick Hanauer, H A N A U R. So there was another, or A -U -E -R, maybe. so this must be like a common thread. This must be like what keeps the billionaires up at night, right? Because I don't know if you know, uh, Johan Rupert, which is the, uh, the owner of Cartier, which is like a luxury jewelry company. Um, yeah. he, he was quoted Rupert. at the, he spoke at, I think the, uh, uh, some summit in like Monaco or something like that. And he said that the thought of the poor, uh, rising up and overthrowing the rich keeps them awake at night. So like this must Whoa. be like a very, a very, a very common thread, uh, throughout, I've, throughout being, I guess when you become a billionaire and you know knowing that you exploited you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people or whatever. Well, not only that, not just karma or not just like maybe their conscience because most of them probably don't have that much of one. But looking out the window and seeing people hurting and and hungry and begging, like knowing any one of those people would chop your finger off for your ring. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, when the economy. So here's the thing. 
when I started out as a socialist or a Marxist Leninist or whatever you want to call me, um, there was like maybe a couple hundred of us in the U.S. Uh, as far as like you know, I'm going to say broadly socialists. A couple hundred of us in the U.S. when I started uh, that were visibly online. I'm sure there were a lot of people who were like ex-communist party members from way back in the day. Um, there's probably thousands upon thousands of them. Uh, otherwise, the communist party would not exist today because they mostly make money off at this point off of people's uh, uh, wills after they die. They leave their estates to the communist party um, because the communist party had like a big role in the civil rights movement. But today. Like I, I feel grow like a growing irrelevancy, personally, because there are tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people who are calling themselves socialists every day, and how genuine they are varies, uh, and how how learned they are, how experienced they are, how active they are also varies. Uh, I don't think that that numbers change so dramatically, but the people who call themselves socialists, who would vote for a socialist, have changed dramatically, and I think that's what. Uh, a lot of these people are looking at like like these uh, Nick Hanovers and uh, uh, you know like the 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 one dude who, I forgot what he runs but he's a really long hair capitalist like pays his people a living wage um, and just did it as an experiment and like he was like hey this works everyone's happier for it um, but like even uh, your Warren Buffets and everything like that like those people who are acknowledging capitalism has a wealth disparity problem it, it is built into the system of course but like it's it's growing to a point that it's just you can't you can't hide it by just changing your language anymore like back in the day back in like even the early 2000s they used to have these meetings in like the republican party uh these national meetings where they would discuss what kind of language they would use so they, they they said we'll never say capitalism anymore we'll say the free market and stuff like that because it does obscure to some degree uh the layperson's interpretation of what's happening around them and it, it makes it to where when we're having a conversation, a communist is having a conversation with a, 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 a worker um, or a layperson, uh, it makes it very difficult to communicate with the, to them what the problem is because they are literally speaking a different language. Um, so anyways, and my that's point... that's funny thing because the market is anything but free, right? It's manipulated by the people with capital. Well, then they would, they would call that free, though. Like, that's the thing. Is that their interpretation of that is... That is free. They, they get to decide. It's free for them, not for us. It's kind of like the concept of uh, uh, privatizing uh, gains and socializing losses, right? Like we talk about that a lot these days uh, in a lot of like progressive yeah. YouTube media. Uh, but that's true. That's how it's always kind of been. Every time a company fails, mm -hmm. uh, whose tax dollars bail them out? Every time that um, uh, Bank of America or GM or some other uh, uh, capitalist endeavor has gone under, it's our tax dollars that, that bail them out. So we're right. paying for them to suck at their job, but we get the boot when we're not doing great or when the company's not doing great. I mean, what did the GM do immediately after getting bailed out? They fired like half of their workers. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's salt for slugs is essentially what it is. Like that's, that seems to be the general. And I think a lot of it also has to do with like the, you know, the lack of education in, in, in America as well. Like we're just, we're not a very intelligent society, you know, and I think I, I don't want to say, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of people who, if they knew how the system worked and how they worked against them and they were able to actually comprehend that, uh, the, a lot of things would change. But, you know, you look at 
what's been happening and we've been trying to private you know there's been a huge push for the privatization of education which is a terrible fucking idea right like handing education over to private companies or whatever to handle is a really really bad idea but it's what yeah, there's been a huge push for that lately and you, you know, know that's what keeps me up at the night the corporation's main objective is to make a profit that's insane yeah, they don't care about the people's education. I do want to say really quickly, though, kind of off topic. Uh, I I listened to um, uh, Big Boy and Paul Rhodes, uh, um, who is listening in right now. Uh, I listened to them uh, debate uh, 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 fair use and uh, and uh, kind of like terms of service and stuff. And I want to say Paul Rhodes, one hundred percent right. And I loved listening to you. <laughs> it was uh, I only listened for like an hour or something, but like you kicked ass, dude. Paul Rhodes, what's up, brother? How you doing? Uh, by the way, thank you guys for uh, listening in. This is literally like this happened to come across, come about, and I'm really glad it did. I'm really glad I got to talk with you guys. Uh, I, and another thing, I think I think this might be the first time we've interacted, Sebastian. I know you, we may have interacted like once, maybe or twice, but not much. So I've listened a lot. I li- you do that show with Bjorn and um, uh, what is his name, oh, Cooper? The commentary table. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I listen to that sometimes. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a speaking of that we're gonna have a show uh, coming up here and we've kind of changed the format to more like just like talking about a single issue rather than doing like the news. There's one uh, with uh, capitalism versus socialism that I think you guys would be really uh, really good to, if you guys are able to and if it's not too late if you guys would want to be a part of that it's in the profile you guys can uh, click to join if you want to and uh, cool I think you guys would be really good to uh, to talk about that with so it's up to you guys though. And when is that? I'm sorry, because I can't. I, I can't see it right now with the way. Um, oh, oh wait, open sorry, profile. Every, duh. So it's, it's it's every Friday. So we do it every Friday, and it's I'm on the East Coast, so it's eleven fifteen my time. But like I guess wherever you are, if you're on West Coast or um, whatever, that would be like eight fifteen, I think Pacific time. Oh, dude, I could totally do that. Yeah, I'm down. So that's February fourth, because next week we have one about the uh, uh, it's the great abortion debate, which should be pretty fun, uh, and uh, you know. So it's more like hot, hot button issues. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be fun. And uh, I know you, I mean, knowing what I know about you guys now, uh, you guys are definitely more than welcome to uh, come on up there at any point. So if you're free on a Friday at 1115 or whatever time you're, I guess I heard you were saying you were from the West Coast there. Uh, so that would be, oh, there we go. Cool. Let's do that. Hold on. Done. Cool. This will be fun. Um, awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, honestly, dude, like, dude, like I said, I would really, really enjoy like making this a thing because you guys are really knowledgeable. And like my whole thing on here is like I want to learn. I want to learn from people who are experienced and, and understand things a little bit better than I do. Uh, so that would be something, like I said, if you guys want to continue this, uh, I don't know if you have. I know I, I friend requested you on Instagram, Sebastian. I don't know if you have one there uh, and another thing. I know it you have a should Twitter. be. Yeah, let me check my. Yeah, I should have everything on my profile. I see a Twitter and a YouTube. Oh man, I got a link. I got to link it again. So if you link that, then I'll hit you guys up on Instagram, and we can kind of maybe uh, uh, kind of work out a format and stuff like that, and things we want to talk about. Because this this would be a really cool. I th- like I said, I don't run into many anti-capitalists on here, so it's always nice to talk to people, and especially people as knowledgeable as you guys. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, flattered and I'm uh, totally into it. I'm fired up. I mean, you know, I've 
I'm 54, so I've seen the decline of quality of life, the militarization of the police, and it all dovetails together, right? All dovetails. Really quick, Hogan. Oh, oh there you are. I see it. Sorry, I have like 12 requests on Instagram that I, I'm really bad at uh, keeping up with, so I just found you. Never mind. <laughs> oh, you're followed by someone. I Wait, hold on. Who is that? Is it Bjorn? <laughs> no, it's a guy named Leonard, but I don't know if it's my Leonard or if it's a different Leonard who follows me. Le- Leonard the guy. He's on, he's on here. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Good to see you. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind. I, I thought it was someone else. <laughs> I have a friend named Leonard as well who, uh, who's uh, an activist, so I thought he was following you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, don't, I think Leonard's like, Leonard on here, I think he's more like a, oh, he's into like crypto. I don't know if he's like a, a socialist, though. I think he's. So yeah, fair enough. feel about give a that shout kind of out. thing? Like, by the way, I'm kind of. Can I give a quick that. shout out? We got like six people here. We got Ioka, Midnight, J. Rue, Paul Rhodes. What's going on, my friend? Lotus, what's going on, Lotus? And Draco just dropped, dropped in. Welcome, Draco. Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for joining in. Um, so what do you guys think of like crypto and everything? Like what, what are your feelings on that? Cause I, again, that's something I don't know about much about. It seems like it's, it's uh, like a bunch of shit. I don't know. Um, but it also, seems I'm just like learning about it and, uh, but I'm about to put some money into it. It seems like, have much, to, but... like level the playing field though, too. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like a way that like these normal people are just like making a lot of money, which is a cool thing, I guess. If, if, if we have to live under the system. If it's able to level the playing field a bit between the people who are making the fucking rules and the people who are having to live under them, I don't know. I, I was right. curious your thoughts. To Ultimately, that. I think it could be one of two. It could be that. It could be a system by and for the people, or it could be marketed as that, but it could be by some big entity. And then you know, and that's the problem with any of these is that they could pull the carp the rug out at any time. Right. So. I, I've been trading crypto for a long time. Uh, I am a crypto skeptic. Uh, I have my reasons for trading crypto. I'm a, I'm a speculator, so <laughs> I do that sometimes. Uh, but um, it, the thing the thing about crypto is that it's it's kind of like central ideas, uh, at least to some degree. I mean, they're libertarian. That's number one. Uh, there is an ideology behind cryptocurrencies. Um, but like the thing is, is like practically, it doesn't. We have the the biggest crypto holders that I could think of at the moment who are not individuals are corporations. Uh, Tesla being one of them, uh, Microsoft being another. Um, there's like corporations are getting into crypto, and it's like almost centralized already. <laughs> like. The whole point is to decentralize it, right? The whole point is to remove uh, some uh, amount of money from the economy and redistribute it. It, It's basically the the, the, uh, Satoshi Nakamura, whatever his name is, uh, his whole thing. And I think uh, Bitcoin 1.4 or whatever, uh, there was like this manifesto or declaration, uh, an observation that the uh, government in the UK bailed out all the banks during the, the economic crisis. And uh, basically what we're talking about before, where, where we socialize losses and privatize wins. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the UK as well. 
So, uh, which leads me to believe that uh, Satoshi Nakamura is uh, a European. But um, the the whole thing is, is like the banks are now the ones who are buying up cryptocurrency and heavy industry. So, by definition, if it's decentralized, but it's all concentrated into these central locations, then it's not really decentralized. It's 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 a store of wealth. It's an asset like anything else. It's like buying paintings or collectibles or um, anything that you might speculate might have long-term value. So I'm not like super enthusiastic about it. I am a a long-term crypto holder uh, because I buy what the banks buy. I buy, uh, (laughs) I, I, I buy things that I know that like established entities and institutions are into. And I do that with stocks too. I buy those things because I know that they're going to go up in value. Um, I sometimes I follow the portfolios of politicians, the most successful politicians, the most uh, influential politicians, because they have to disclose their portfolio and they know insider information, but they don't get in trouble for it because they're some of the most powerful people in our country. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kind of I haven't had any major losses and I've had big wins. So I'm not like, you know, I, I, I I'm not saying I'm like a professional like stock trader or chart reader, but like I. uh <laughs> I follow the money, I guess. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like the, the politicians clearly have have some sort of information that we don't have, right? They're they're the ones making the legislations that are affecting these companies, and the companies are the ones that are paying the politicians to make the legislation. So, I mean, it mm-hmm. makes sense. So, I mean, that that's that's really cool, though. I never, I never, I never knew that. I never knew that about you. And and like I said, I'm really glad to like be talking to you guys. I honestly am. Like, I'm really glad to like learn more about you guys this is fun this is the whole fun thing about stereo for me is like learning about people learning about what you guys what drive you guys and uh, sharing things that like and like finding those common bonds and common threads that unite us as people and and, like our ideologies and stuff like that so um you know as when i talk about like uh, you know moneyless societies and stuff like that like i that's honestly my 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 the end goal for me is like I'd love to I'd love love to live to see long uh, a day long enough or love to live long enough to see the day where we're not driven by fucking money anymore and, and capital and, and currency and shit like that. I think it's just it's so it it, it creates to me it, it creates class. You know, it's it's the whole backing of class, right? Like like those who have and those who don't have, and, and, and those who have mm-hmm. less and those who have more. And I think like. If we ever need, if we ever want to truly advance as a species, we need to abandon these ideas at some point. And may, you know, I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime. I, I certainly don't. But I think uh, finding common threads and common ground and, and bonding over things that that aren't that have nothing to do with, I mean, money and stuff like that, and just sharing in the the good of, of humanity and trying to push forward with with the the, the best interest of, of just our species in mind is, I think, the way to go. And I. So, like I said, I man, I really, I really thank you guys for for popping up here and, and after my last absolutely chance, like randomly, randomly just shut down. Um, you know what gives so, you know what gives me hope is that um, how people come together after a disaster, after a natural disaster, right? Um, you know, you don't ask questions that would divide in a in that environment. It just you just not even on your mind, right? Not important. So, you know. I think, unfortunately, it might take that some horrible worldwide catastrophe. Well, and and then, well, let's look at that. What good 
is a pasty billionaire that doesn't know how to farm, doesn't know how to fix anything, doesn't know how to do anything, never had to do anything, just rang a bell for everything. All you got to do is walk away from them and they'll starve to death, right? In, you know, it, in a cataclysmic event, you know. Yeah, it definitely proves um, their worthlessness to society. I mean, or without. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if everybody just walked out. It's a, it's, we're, we're calling this the age of the resignation. Imagine if people just went back to the land and started growing food. All of a sudden, a billionaire's worth isn't worth much because what, you know, what can you buy with it? I also think the other way, like the other thing that like separates like what, what's changed so much is like technology, right? So like I think eventually, and the reason that I'm an anti-capitalist is because I just don't believe that capitalism is sustainable solely for the fact that it self-cannibalizes, right? So if, if the if the right. idea of capitalism is that if one like, one of the benefits of capitalism is that it drives innovation, right? That's one of the, the arguments you hear from capitalists. Well, we have all this innovation and technology and stuff. Well, that's great, right? So if we have all this technology. But we have a system that 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 incentivizes profit over people. When when we use that technology to make our lives easier and to to render basically human labor obsolete, which is kind of what we're kind of moving towards with automation and artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. you know what happens when automation is taken over a majority of the workforce, and now you have a bunch of people without jobs under a system that requires labor, like a demand for labor, uh, in order to function. Like it's gonna collapse. I mean, that is that is the end of, of capitalism. It's it, it it's right. literally self cannibalizing. It's going to cannibalize itself. It's going to eat itself. The the, the innovation right. and technology that it that it that incentivizes through profit driven motives will end up being its downfall. If they you know mm -hmm. if we don't if the if the corporations don't care about the the worker right if the if the factory doesn't care about the worker what are they going to care if they can they can buy a machine for a hundred thousand dollars that that takes the place that takes the place of a hundred thousand workers. Yep. Or whatever, a thousand workers. You know, they won't think twice. Right. But then, if if the workers aren't making money, they can't spend money, and the whole mm -hmm. system collapses. So, right. I mean, that's why I'm an anti-capitalist. Not that I, you know, not only the like the immorality of like capitalism, but like just the fact that when you look at things and think about things, it doesn't make sense, and it's all going to fucking fall apart. I don't know. It's a house of cards, right? It's meant for a short sustain, but yeah, exactly. It's got a glass ceiling. You can't make a quarterly profit, increased quarterly profit ad infinitum. There is a ceiling. Like after you tap out the cheapest five-year-old labor pool in the world, then what? Okay. So now you can't go any cheaper on labor. After you do away with every environmental regulation, then, then what? Then what? Then what? Eventually you hit the bottom. Like I can't produce this any cheaper. Right. But we don't, yeah, that's what infuriates so, me about capitalism. There is a, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, uh, quote from Karl Marx, uh, that basically, uh, sums up what you just described. And it's, uh, the midwife of every old society is pregnant with a new one. Right. So when we talk about automation and stuff, we're, it's literally a, a, a physical, rejection of the old style of capitalism and we've created the conditions for a society that could be automated right so which would be in effect socialism if if the forces that control capitalism uh surrender to to workers right because literally they're creating their own demise when they have these these mechanisms 
uh, like the, uh, for instance, like uh, like the credit score or automation or um, uh, or or these extremely unaffordable housing housing situations, they are creating the 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 thing that is going to replace them. They're creating the necessity uh, for socialism and the the practical existence of socialism through through things like automation and assembly lines and and uh, you know. Um, the need for like social medicine and all that stuff. So uh, it's, I'm kind of ramp, ranting here, but I just wanted to emphasize, punctuate what you said with uh, with a quote from Marx. It's literally exactly as you described. <laughs> like automation is going to make it possible to have a socialist society where, you know, a worker may work for um, 15 hours a week and it'll be more enjoyable work because it's less stressful, right? More people are employed and everyone's doing their part. Um, it's, it's going to come to the point where like things will just kind of move and and work at like a, like a well-oiled machine uh when it comes to the economy and obviously we're gonna have problems people are gonna have needs and we're gonna meet those needs because there's no need for uh this bargaining with uh with a third party a parasitic uh entity known as the businessman right we don't have to uh he's the guy who controls the valve on the on the pipe for the water right so when he's gone we just supply people who need water with water right yeah i mean that's the thing like technology if like no labor is being exploited right so like if the if the, if, if we're using machines that are making a majority of the products that we're, we're you know what's the purpose of of then having having capitalism you know i don't i think it becomes redundant at that we don't need it we don't need it if, if there's no you know there's no need for human labor then there's no need for capitalism like if we have the technology and we take over, you know, and, and it's used in a way that is hu humane and, and is put towards basically the benefit of, of the majority of the population and not just the select fucking few, um, you know, we could have a, a very, a very, I guess, yeah, social, is that socialism or is that, I mean, at that point, is that socialism or is that communism then? What, what is that then? Like if, if we're basically well, like take, take the, the companies over that have the technology and we use the technology to push, push society forward then. Right, without concerning that would be socialism. Okay. Yeah, that, that when we have like democratic uh, worker worker control over uh, business as usual uh, and the state, uh, that is considered uh, socialism. It's it's the the uh, ideal utopian vision is the uh, communist part that comes after socialism uh, in the communist trajectory of of things. This this uh, kind of economic deterministic. Uh, you know, prediction, right? Because uh, because communism is is still a like a theoretical abstract uh, to a lot of us. Um, it's not it's not something that's ever really the closest thing we've ever had to communism is like a city in China <laughs> that existed a long time ago. That's a funny thing too, because like people point out like to like the the you know, quote unquote failures of communism, right? So they say, well, look at, look at, look at the at USSR and stuff like that. But like my, I guess like if it doesn't function as defined, right? Like communism has a clear definition. Socialism, socialism has a clear definition as to what conditions must be met in order to be considered communism or, or socialism or even capitalism, right? There are certain functions. And there's, you know, if you look back throughout history, like people want to say like, oh, well, the USSR was, was communist or, you know, the, what, uh, Venezuela was socialist or whatever. Like, I don't necessarily know if that was like, 
Is that true? Or is that was that like or was that just like using the guise and promise of communism to lead more like towards fascism? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's it's complicated because you have these situations where where depending on who's describing it and what their motivations are, uh, they will describe something as communist. Like you know, someone will will refer to uh, Pol Pot like fascist uh, despot regime as being communist because it's politically convenient if you're an anti-communist right um if we're looking at the like academic and like scientific views of the words uh of so, you know socialism and and uh communism um socialism is literally basically especially the earliest stages of socialism are literally just capitalism without that parasitic relationship it's it's literally Industry runs as it does now. I mean, with the major exception that we don't have uh, this this profit motive. Like we'd still have restaurants and and uh, you know private transportation, even though we would make these moves away from those things. We we, we would have uh, uh, communal cafes or cafeterias, and we would have um, we would have a, a more public transportation that is actually funded. <laughs> um, and has like you know, people don't want to destroy it because they see it as public property instead of like this just kind of like pariah um, or nuisance. So they vandalize it and they don't treat it right. But we'd also have like you know, basically socialism is like just like the skeleton of capitalism, but with all of the access that you didn't have before. So access to healthcare, access to education, access to like the security of a home without having to think. Um, should I move this in for my storage unit because I might be evicted next next year or whatever when my lease is up? You don't have those things anymore. So what do you say to in like response to people who like are afraid of like authoritarian or like the, the rise of authoritarianism through like socialism and, and whatnot? You know what I mean? Like, like that's what a lot of people I think like when they hear socialism or they hear communism, they get scared. Right. They think, mm -hmm. well, that means the government's going to come and they're going to control everything in my life and they're going to come and knock down my door if they don't, you know, I disagree and they're going to, you know, that, that's what I think people imagine when they think of that stuff. That right. Necessarily know that's and that's, that's a largely, that. yeah, that's a largely fictionalized, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good for TV, right? <laughs> like it, that, like the, the, the Stasi weren't literally listening to every conversation that ever happened uh, in East Germany. Um, that's not that's that's not possible. It's just not like the we we have like these weird things that people describe as communist and uh, authoritarian, quote unquote. Um, those things already exist in our society today. Like that's why I brought up the example of the United States being literally, if we use the metric of our prison population and how many prisons exist, I think that's a fair metric to use um, to to gauge what you know, what authoritarianism might look like uh, if it wasn't this stuff of, of fiction, essentially. But like, if we were going to use a metric, right, we'd have to use prisons. That's the only thing that makes sense. And if that's the case, we live in the most authoritarian country on earth, <laughs> like literally. And then you want to talk about people like tracking you and tracing you. It's literally part of the free market. Tracking, <laughs> tracking your location and your habits and your data is literally a function now of private business. So 
in conjunction with the government in often cases when they when they feel the need to do that they have certain rights that they can go in and like demand certain uh, data from um from these companies like google who do disclose to some degree they don't disclose who but they will make a blog post like hey you know the government <laughs> wants to do this today so we got to let them have it um but if that's not authoritarianism, then I don't know what other description you could give me other than like, like literally just a feeling of being under assault <laughs> constantly. I, I don't, I don't really know what that would constitute, but it's really easy to, to use words like authoritarianism to describe something as un, undesirable. Uh, it's extremely easy, but like, it's right under our nose. We live in a an authoritarian society. If, the threat of violence and the threat of prison is is something to that's characteristic of authoritarianism. So I'm not trying to deflect. So like to, to, to address that, like those things don't typically exist in social societies. I I don't want to say like, you know, I, I don't want to nitpick what is and isn't socialism because people tend to uh, use that as like, you know, like some kind of weakness in my argument. But like, like I said, I don't consider uh, North Korea, I don't consider um, China, I don't consider, um, uh, what's, uh, you know, uh, democratic kombucha or whatever, uh, as social societies. Like, China has, you know, Enver Hoxha of, of Albania, communist leader of Albania, wrote an entire book on Chinese social imperialism back in the 70s when they had made clear what their intentions were going forward. And that was to become a major military and superpower, uh, an economic imperialist force in uh, on the global stage uh, before they had this hyper-centralized capitalism that they have now. So that's, you know, I, I often also use China as an example of like when government does stuff right, so their COVID response has been on point, but like economists and like conspiracy theorists in the U.S. like to say that they're not providing the actual accurate numbers of what their COVID numbers look like. But it's like, why would they share anything at all? <laughs> like, if that was the case, wouldn't they just say, fuck you, we're not giving you our numbers? Like, everything's perfect. There's there's no COVID here. No, but they do provide us with numbers. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of a boogeyman, like red scare boogeyman that we we depend on rhetorically uh but that's not to say that china is like perfect it is not it's far from it it's again like i said it, it's essentially a a marriage of of you know uh the centralism that would come with like a fascist society um you know the the the, the personality of xi jinping and a marriage of that with uh so it's more like it has more in common with chile than it does with uh with like the soviet union and I do uphold the Soviet Union uh, up until like 1956 as being characteristically socialist in nature. Yeah, but fair, um, no, no, I, I'm I'm doing a bad job of answering your question. I, I don't I don't believe in like this this. Basically, I'm I'm just saying like I, I don't I no one has a practical example of what this authoritarianism looks like, right? So. I just kind of have to shrug my shoulders. Like it's not a thing that exists. Uh, Tim Schneider wrote a book about it uh, uh, with a bunch of examples of what it might look like, but Tim Schneider's a hack to me. So I can't really, 
I can't really uh, say that I, I agree with his assessments either. But then I just wanted to say, like, uh, yeah, like, I, I thank you guys. I have to, I have to hop off here soon, but I would, uh, I'll, I'll connect with you guys. I'll make a group on Instagram and we'll kind of figure out like what, what kind of schedule works for each of you guys. And we can kind of, I'll, I'll, we can start planning like a format and everything and making this a thing if you guys are into that. Um, also, uh, so I guess I, I want to ask one more question. Let's get to these messages here. Then I'll ask one more question. Then you guys, if you guys want to continue this on, uh, please, by all means. I'm going to hop off here, but that doesn't mean you guys can't continue. Uh, so uh, let's just play these messages. I want to I'll ask you guys a question. I'll actually ask you this right now. So um, what what would your ideal, like if you could wave a magic wand and create an, like the, the your ideal society, what would that look like to you guys? And that'll just, that's just a question I'll ask you guys, but let's play these messages first and then I'll let you guys answer and then I'll hop off. You guys can keep doing whatever you do want to do. that yeah but don't be fooled he's an asshole <laughs> and i only say that because he uh the way he defines what a woman is um is if they curse or not or certain things like that i don't know he's living with the fucking joneses or some shit so fuck that dude sorry what what was sure that reference to? to yeah i'm not sure let's play that again i might have missed it she didn't say the name. She said he. I probably said something in the beginning. Yeah, but don't be fooled. He's an asshole. <laughs> oh, I'm. Oh, okay. I think I might know. I don't want to. I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah. Dancing with that brother. I'm just gonna say in the middle of this argument. Hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs> the the engagement is real. Uh, so what do you? Also, what what do you guys think of hot pockets? Uh, I like them. I I eat them. Try to stay away. I was gonna say. I was gonna say they go right through me. So I, as much as I love the taste of them, it's just not. It's not a good scene. So I usually stay away from them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Paul not my first choice. Motherfucking roads. Yeah, I said I it. Of... Oh, okay. Did Paul Rhodes do something that I'm not aware of? Uh oh. Uh, so we'll have, we might have to we might have to bring him up here at some point. I'm I'm interested to see what his thoughts are too because not I don't know much about Paul Rhodes. I'll be honest. I've heard people bring up his name a lot. I know that the people there are people who are fans of him. He's very polarizing, so he might be a good one to uh, to bring up here at some point and figure kind of figure out what he's about. Paul, if you're if you're if you're interested one of these times, I'd love to bring you up and and have a conversation with you because I don't really know much about you. Seems like you're a polarizing. That was Lotus taking it. That was Lotus taking a jab at Paul Rhodes because he doesn't appreciate profanity. Oh, okay. oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, the the only interaction I've oh, it's not even an interaction. I, I listened to him uh, live talking, uh, debating a uh, uh, big boy who was like a really prominent stereo person, uh, and yeah, Paul Rhodes had a very like yeah, he Paul Rhodes had a very uh, sophisticated and like. Uh, whatever like just a sophisticated understanding of 
uh, like terms of service, the limitations of free speech. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was amazing because I, I, you hear this all the time about free speech and all the nonsense that people think free speech actually is. But uh, we just had this really interesting conversation I watched unfold um, where he he did a really good job of of shutting them down. It's just unfortunately, there's a, an audience of people who also share uh, this conception of free speech being this fictional thing that they believe in, that whatever it is convenient for them, like they believe that that's what it is. So it was just this weird shit show <laughs> at the same time. But I'm over here like cooking my, you know, uh, Dominican rice and beans <laughs> and like, like, yep, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, oh. while everyone is. uh Oh. I brought Paul up here. Paul, I don't know if you wanted to kind of explain your position because I don't I didn't know what that was about. So I just wanted to, you know, if he was it was it was involving you being called out, I'd like you to at least uh, be able to defend yourself here. So what's 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 the, what's the, what's the deal here? No, I was just trying to I wasn't calling him out. I was explaining no, Lotus's not you, message. Not you. I mean, like, I yeah. mean, like, uh, I wasn't sure. What, I've got no uh, problem with Paul. I've, I've had good conversations with Paul. No, not not. Yeah, I wasn't saying you were calling him. I say Lotus called him out. So I wanted to I wanted to make sure that he had an opportunity to uh, defend himself. Paul, did you uh, want to say something? Uh oh, Kelly Tudor here, founder of Clean Talk for Clean Folks. Gentlemen, the byproduct of cleaning up is getting rid of dirt. This it's inevitable. There's no way around it. If you're going to clean up, say dirt. What do you mean? What do you mean by dirt? Dirt has to go. If you want clean mouth, civil conversation, and any kind of results, you have to get rid of the dirt. It's as simple as that. And that's why we have rules here. Profanity, obscenity, patently offensive language, all those lewd behaviors are prohibited by contract, by local, state, federal, and international law. I've read it more than 200 times. What? Really, Paul? Because when you talk to me, I accidentally cursed, and then you told me about, oh, you're not a woman, this and that. Like, you have the fucking right to even tell me what I am, especially as a man. Just got yourself. Oh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, uh, Paul, you you do, you do like, secrete respectability politics to uh, uh, a fault. But um, like I said, your, your, uh, your take on, on uh, you know, the subject you guys were discussing was, was spot on. It's not my take. I simply read the terms of service as they are. No, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not me. This is I say, I say your take has their own problems. They have their own yeah. problems. You know, and they've created <laughs> this problem when we have people running around with potty mouths. And who cares? Who cares what they do? I'm talking. Who cares what they do, Paul? You don't Let's tell me what I am and what I'm not as a woman. You don't do not you, you do not define a fucking woman. So don't sit here on your sofa, sitting here. Okay, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you and fuck the horse that you rode in on. That's what I'm gonna say to you. Each and, and I'm not gonna ever have reported. somebody like you tell me as a fucking man what a woman should be that's, and what a woman should not be. That's bullshit. Can we? Can we? You can't demand respect from somebody you're being disrespectful to. Um, why should I? Why should I even be respectful to him for how he treated me? There's no respect for that man. And the I fact don't know that how he treated you in the past. Ridiculous. So what did well, he say? Well, I, I just exactly. said. I, I, I'm sorry, and literally, he what... came on here and it was talking about dirty and shit. So we already know what he what he's implicating with that. 
Well, uh, Maybe he's so, so, to you guys, but not to women. And he's done this to yeah, plenty yeah. of women on the show. I, 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 that happens a lot. That happens frequently in society. I, I, I agree. I, I don't doubt that that happened. But um, what, what, what did, what did he say? Like, what was the, you know, what, what was the scenario? Because uh, like we, we were completely oblivious to this. There were he was having an issue with somebody. This is long. These months ago, okay. I was with Sleepy Wonder. Sleepy Wonder brought him up in the panel. Sleepy warned me he doesn't like when people curse. Okay, I'll try not to curse. Right? I'm a fucking I, I curse with a sailor. And I come on there and I accidentally said one curse word and he went on a rampage about how I'm not a woman and this and that. And I'm just like, are you, who are you, especially as a man, to tell me what I am or not as a woman? I don't like men defining women. That It's that control thing, that misogynistic shit that I really don't like. You don't tell me I'm not a woman or I'm not intellectual because I curse. That is fucking stupid. And what fucking rules are written down that nobody is allowed to curse? Are you kidding me? Like, it just, it, that's what pisses me off. And, and he was disrespectful when I blocked him from that day on. And I, and that was it. Well, yeah, I mean, Stereo is an, is an app that's like exclusive to, uh, adult use. Like we're expected to curse. Like the only agreement we, we have to abide by is to not play any like pre-recorded stuff or, or like have like, uh, uh, like, you know, inappropriate conversations with children or something. Right. Like (laughs) cursing, cursing is like the least of their problems. But he comes up on here already taking that situation and, and comparing clean and dirty. That's so, like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that was cryptic. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get what he was saying at first, but well, yeah, I mean, with, with the context, yeah. Like, I'm so a filthy woman. Me, though, and I understand, I understand your, like, anger in this. Like, I totally understand that, Lotus. Like, I, I would be upset, too, if somebody tried to define my existence. Uh, the only thing I would say is, like, I think, like, in order to really get to the heart of the like of the issue and like to 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 find resolve in this is to like you know even if it's like coming to some sort of mutual agreement where it's like okay well you know you might not like the way i talk but like you understand like it's not fair to define who i am and i, I totally agree with that like but like in order to make that like in order to make that clear and like to we like it's we can't like you know like screaming and yelling and getting super emotional is actually counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish when I was- right when we first talked, I was calm, cool, and collected, and there was no reasoning with him. So there, there's there's really nothing to, with, with that individual, there's nothing for me to uh, come to terms with. But I'm yeah, just to saying. To be fair, I, I'm very familiar with Lotus, and she doesn't like this. She, I've, I've never seen her angry, except for like one other time. So it's not like, uh, it's not like it's, it, you know, she, th- 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 this is definitely a carryover from a from a previous conversation so it's not so like she's like unfounded olive branch here and it's just never been accepted is that, is that kind of what you're you're saying i'm sorry say it again i said you kind of extended an olive branch before but then it was just i like did it thrown in your face. i did and there was other and then like after that there was times that he spoke to other women like that and it was just it's just so degrading like, i felt like he was just on his soapbox like he is king touch it and what he says goes. And that's what I really, that rubbed rub me the wrong way. I don't know if it's the way he interacts with women that is different with men, but I know the way that he interacts with women can be very disrespectful. I mean, we have a lot of women on here. I mean, most most people on this app curse. Most people in this world curse. To to compare that to cleanliness or, or being dirty, I think is, is very degrading. And it's prejudice. Ooh. 
it's, it's also it also has some kind of like religious implications there too it's kind of strange yeah um, like i'm not yeah. computer or something yeah. yeah so i guess that's why like, i'm like kind of curious though is to like dig to the bottom of that and really address it like if you know i feel like if if we can like understand where he's coming from and then refute it with like a logical argument like i don't know if he's like that is he that irrational that like he wouldn't listen to reason like if if we can back him if you can if you can outwit him and into a sense that like okay well he has no more argument here right like it, obviously uh cursing doesn't isn't necessarily uh um uh, what's the what's the word i'm looking for uh not necessarily like an indicative of like whether a person's intelligent or not right that i don't i think we can all agree hey you that. guys i got i've enjoyed the talk i gotta go get some dinner hey, it's been nice talking to you another thing i'll hit you up on instagram Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.